The reading from Scripture today is the Gospel of Matthew 11, <clears throat> verses 16 through 19, 25 through 30. But to what will I compare this generation? Is it the children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another? We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he was a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, <coughs> Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden things, these things from the wise and the intelligent and had revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such as your gracious will, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and who, anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of God for the people of God. You know, I've, I've sought rest. The last two weeks have been incredibly busy for me, and that's kind of how the seasons happen in your life. And last week I was up, I guess it was Sunday night, I was really thinking, some of y'all may know Catherine Furr, I was thinking about um, Catherine's memorial in the wake and, and what all I was hoping I had covered at the church. And so I was up at very late at night at the computer pondering. And there are two things that Walter Payton and Sweetness, the two cats, hate. And that is me on the phone or on the computer. They're like little children. <laughs> and so I was sitting at the computer, and y'all know me, I don't do much Facebook. But Sweetness stepped on my keyboard. And all of a sudden, my Facebook went to like this big. I mean, tiny. And so I was trying to fix it, and then the next thing I knew, it was an Italian. <laughs> and I, 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 had no, I don't even know how I got it there. And I said, well, it's time for me to go to bed because this is far beyond what I know how to fix. I had to call my daughter the next day. But, you know, we stand up and we're looking for rest. And when we heard this today... We are looking for rest. That sounds like such an offer, doesn't it? Come to me, all who are weary, all who are carrying a burden. Come, and I'm going to give you some rest. He's not calling for us to come sit on the couch with him, put our feet up, and do nothing. There's more to it. Than that. There always is, isn't there? 
Here's that next line. That next line that always gets us. Put on my yoke. Put on my yoke. What he's offering us is actually about living. Jesus is inviting us to restful living. Restful working. For the Sabbath is not just a day about being lazy. It's about a day being centered or a life being centered on God and on a life that God intends for each one of us. It is actually about obedience. It's about going out beyond these four walls and working in the fields of mankind for the Lord. You know, there is a great uh, poem by John Greenleaf Whittier, which is really one of my favorite hymns. And if I had been thinking ahead, maybe I would have saved this for August. But um, it's here, and so I'm going to share it with you. And it's about the Sabbath. And it is, you may know this hymn, Dear Lord and Father of Mankind, it is in your hymnal. For y'all, that may be shocked. But it, the last, one of the verses is just so beautiful to me. It's what I think I'm seeking in a Sabbath. It says, drop thy still dues of quietness till all our striving cease. Take from our souls the strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of thy peace. Boy, that's what I'm thinking of. I think when Jesus says, come on, y'all, come to me. Come, who are weary, come with your burdens. Come and be with me. But then there's that next line, this yoke thing kind of disturbing to us, this yoke thing. What is it do you think of when you think of being yoked? Putting on his yoke. Jesus uses great, simplistic, ordinary things to make real points with us, to explain the difficult things for us. A yoke carrying our yoke. You know, I, I am very blessed and fortunate, and I'm sure there are some of y'all in here. Um, yes, I, my grandmother churned butter, and I did get to churn butter as a child with her. She had a well, and I used to have to go out and get water out of a well. They did not have running water. My grandfather, when I was growing up until he got sick, still farmed cotton, still had huge acres of corn, and he still plowed it himself with two mules, Katie and Brenda. Where they got their names, I have no idea. Katie was as mean as the day is long. 
and it was this big rule that you had at the farm. You did not get in the field with Katie because it was not going to end well. But Grandpa used to put them in a yoke, like a collars, and actually he had the old-timey little handheld plow, and that's how he would plow his fields. And I, I got to thinking about that, and I never really understood it, why it took two, why he used old mean Katie. I just would have left her in the barn, and I'm an animal lover. She was not a very nice mule, but she was smart. And she was wise. And she knew how to pull that plow. She knew how to make it around that field in the lines that Grandpa needed. And that's why he hooked Brenda to her, took on that yoke around her so that she could be led by Katie. That Katie could take up the slack when Brenda wasn't big enough or yet strong enough pull that plow. It took the two of them working together. And that is what Jesus is asking of us when he says, take on my yoke. I've got you, is what he's saying. Bring your burdens, bring your cares to me, yoke them to me. Because I can guide you. In the New Testament, that's what being yoked is all about. It's about being yoked to a teacher. To one who is going to guide you. Who is going to make sure you're pulling the plow. He's not leaving you out there on your own. To guide you through your troubles. to be the one who leads you. It always bothered me when I read that passage. It sounded so inviting. Come to me who are weary, who have worries, who have struggles, who have burdens. Come and rest with me. And then he's calling you to work. He's saying, Hitch up to my wagon. I've got the answers. I have your problems. Let's plow these fields together. I never really thought about that till I started diving into this. That he wants us to transfer our struggles to him. He wants to be our teacher. Boy, don't we need that? How else am I going to make a straight line? Because I cannot do it on my own. But he is the one walking beside you in this struggle of life.
Jesus is my Katie, I guess. I'm just Brenda, the one who doesn't know the way. I'll never forget those two mules. I wondered about that for the longest time, and then I had that image when I was reading that verse and studying that. How many of you had a grandpa who actually plowed behind two mules? I was fascinated by it then, but I didn't quite understand it. And now I do. Jesus, as long as I'm attached to him, as long as I put my yoke with his yoke, I can plow the fields that he asked me to go. And I can go out and work beyond the four walls of this church. I can work with those sitting next to me. I can work my own life as long as Jesus is yoked with me. Amen and amen.